Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you have a lifestyle of spending time with Jesus every day? Are you trying to model every aspect of your life after Jesus? Are you convicted to live for him, to love for him, to give for him, and to forgive for him? Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is the greatest privilege and responsibility of our lives. Let's open our Bible now to Matthew chapter 28 and look at this incredible privilege and responsibility of being a disciple of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Sunday morning here in Texas. Hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and growing to be uh, a more mature, more loving, more obedient, more faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. We are, um, we're in the second teaching uh, of the discipleship series that, uh, that we had started last time. Uh, today is going to be part two of uh, the difference between being a Christian and, and being a disciple. And uh, man, it's just there's there's so much to this. As I said last time, you know, um, we, we had only done one topical teaching um, before I had only done one topical teaching. And my son-in-law, Nathan, had brought this up uh, and the need just for, a, you know, uh, for a... Um, you know, for a series on discipleship and, you know, where we go and what is the difference between a Christian and a disciple. And then from here, after today, we'll move into principles of discipleship and how to grow and and hopefully give some type of curriculum, so to speak, uh, for discipleship. So, um, man, I'm excited about it. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different direction for us because we've always done expository teaching, which that's still going to be the foundation of our, of our, of our teaching and of our ministry. And just the difference, right, between them is expository teaching is when we, when we take a book of the Bible or we take an account and, you, you know, you see how I just, I go through every verse, verse by verse by verse by verse, just uh, teaching and expositing and exposing what's there, so to speak, right? It's teaching the Bible verse by verse by verse by verse. And in as much, we're teaching the word of God and we're being fed in the scriptures. Now, um, a topical teaching is different. It's where we're, we take a topic like we're doing here on what is the difference between a Christian and a disciple. And, you know, that's going to be the topic. But because that's a broad topic, you know, we need to, you know, we need to jump around to different parts of the scriptures um, and see what the scripture says as a whole on this particular topic. So when you do a topical, uh, uh, a topical teaching, you're, you, you know, you take your topic and then, you know, you enforce it, you know, by using the word of God and still expositing the scriptures, but it's not verse by verse by verse by verse. It's verses, you know, throughout the different parts of the entire Bible. Um, so, you, you know, you get a, you know, a, a holistic view and you reinforce your topic uh, and enforce the topic really by the word of God. And so today's part two of um, the difference between being a Christian and being a disciple. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. 
We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace in our lives, Father. Father, we thank you for this year of, uh, of 2022. We thank you, Lord, just for, uh, for the blessings and the favor and the mercy on our lives, Father. We thank you for your goodness. Father, we just thank you for, 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 for using us this year, Father. I just thank you for the privilege of, of doing this, Lord. I thank you for the blessing that you've given us, Lord, with, with all the leaders in kingdom discipleship and all those, Lord, who work together, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, just for, for, for all the leadership team, Father. I thank you for, uh, you know, I thank you for my wife, May, Lord. I just thank you for, for Kristen and Nathan, Father. I, I thank you, Lord, for Stephen, who does all these teachings with me, Father. I thank you for Tom and Jesse, Father. I thank you for Jose. I thank you for Josh. I thank you for Eddie, Lord. Um, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for our, uh, you know, just our fellowship and community. I thank you for my boy, Dustin, Father. I just thank you, Lord, for all the leaders in kingdom discipleship and just uh, just the blessings you've given us this year and what we've been able to accomplish. And Father, I do pray as we move into 2023 that this would truly be the, the greatest, most fruitful year of our ministry, Father. So, Father, we just thank you and praise you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to now give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, so last time, you know, we had covered, you know, what is a Christian, okay? And we talked about that a Christian is someone who has received spiritual life. They've passed from spiritual death to spiritual life by receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. John 1.12, yet to all who received him, Jesus to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We spoke about how a Christian is someone who's put their full faith, trust, and confidence in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins, the salvation of their soul, and deliverance from eternal hell. They're trusting in Jesus. They're clinging to Jesus, knowing that without Jesus, they're hopeless, helpless, and only eternal hell awaits. That's a Christian. Now, all 8 billion people in the world need to be Christians to avoid eternal hell, okay? I understand that that sounds harsh. I understand it sounds intolerant, but really it's the most loving thing that we can ever say, right? That's what the Bible teaches. In, in uh, John 14, 6, Jesus out of his own mouth said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's the very words of Jesus himself. Out of his own mouth, he said, without Jesus, we cannot come to the Father and spend eternity in heaven. And regrettably, only an eternity in hell separated from the triune God forever is what awaits us if we're not in Jesus Christ. So, Last time we talked about that, you know, if you believe you're a Christian, but you're not certain you're a Christian, right? You need to examine yourself as uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself, test yourself to see if you're actually a genuine Christian, right? Is Jesus Christ truly living in you? Do you have a desire for Jesus? Do you have, do you, you know, do you have some type of urge to please Jesus? Do you have a conviction over your sin, right? And we talked about that. 
But now where we're, where we're heading is that Jesus, Jesus didn't tell us to go and make Christians. Uh, he didn't tell us to go and make churches. Okay. Um, now, before we can be a disciple of Jesus Christ, right, Nathan, we have to be a Christian. And we need to be certain that we are genuine Christians that have received spiritual life, okay, that have eternal life. And we are trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. Um, we want to make sure we've received Christ as our Savior. And in the last in the last teaching, we talked about, you know, how to receive Jesus Christ, right? Um, just simply understanding your hopelessness, your helplessness, your desperation. You humble yourself before Jesus, knowing your need of him. And you simply call out to him in prayer and ask him to come into your heart. Ask him to be the Lord of your life, acknowledging your, your hopelessness and your helplessness before him and calling on him to save you, right? We, we talked about how Romans 10, 13 declares that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Of course, it's not our words that save us. It's Christ that saves us. But we use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus. And when we we come to Jesus with our with the understanding of our of our need of him, right? Of how hopeless and helpless and desperate we are without him. And from that heart, we humble ourselves and call out to him to save us from our sin, to be the Lord of our life. That's how we become a Christian, by humbly receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, once we've done that, we are Christians. God the Father is our heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is now our Lord and Savior and Master and King. The Holy Spirit is now our guide, our counselor, and our comforter. We have a triune God. What does that mean? Uh, our God is one being, but three separate individual persons. Three distinct individual persons, all God. Okay? I've used the example before that, that I am one being, I'm a human being, that's what I am, but I'm also one person. I'm, I'm John Morton. Um, you are one being, that's what you are, and, you know, Kristen, my daughter Kristen, right, uh, who you are is Kristen Hewitt. Our God is so immense, so beyond comprehension that he too is one being, but he is actually three separate, distinct individual persons, God the Father, God the Son Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I mean, bam! <laughs> wow! And once you become a Christian, you now have relationship with each member of the Trinity. You actually come into relationship through Jesus Christ our Lord with God the Father as your heavenly Father, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and Master and King, and God the Holy Spirit as your guide, your counselor, and your comforter. And now you spend the rest of your life growing, becoming and growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ, okay? And so now from that place, as Christians, all right, we begin again with Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is Jesus speaking, and it says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Pretty strong statement, right? Jesus is the boss of everything. Let that sink in, Lauren. All authority in heaven and on earth 
has been given to me. You see that, Nathan? Jesus is the boss of everything in every manner, in every way, not only on earth, but also in heaven. All right. Try to think of the magnitude of that statement. Never have those words been uttered in human history. Who speaks like that? Unless the speaker is God, it's the most absurd statement that's ever come from the mouth of human beings that can use words. That's how absurd this statement would be. Try to think of this again. Just, just let the words sink in, Becky. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. You heard that, right? Jesus, ju Jesus just said, I am the boss of everything rap. You see that, Esther? I am the boss of everything. And because he's the boss of everything, verse 19. Therefore, in light of the fact that I'm the boss of everything, verse 19, right, Corinne? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You notice he didn't say make Christians or make churches. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, once you become a Christian, one of your first orders of business is to be baptized. Okay? Uh, baptism is an outward symbolic act of an inward reality. Okay? When you became a Christian, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, baptized you or immersed you spiritually into the body of Christ. You became part of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And in, in, in a spiritual sense, the, the Spirit of God spiritually baptized you into the spiritual body of Christ. Now, that happened on the day you received Christ as your Savior, the day you genuinely received Christ. We talked about uh, in the last teaching how my, my daughter Kristen genuinely received Christ after thinking she had been a Christian her whole life, but realized she was not a genuine Christian, okay? Um, and one of the first things we ought to do is to be baptized, to be immersed in water, okay? When we go down into the baptismal waters, it symbolizes our identification with the death of Christ, that our, that our old man or woman is, 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 is left in the water. We're identified with Jesus' death. It's left in the grave. And when we come out of the baptism waters, it, it, uh, you know, it symbolizes our new resurrection life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? Um, and, and when you go and do a baptism, you're going publicly. Right. You're acknowledging publicly Jesus died for you publicly. He was tortured for you publicly. He was humiliated. He was crucified naked. And so when you go and get baptized, you go publicly before a group of people and you say that you have not only received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but it's your earnest desire to, 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 to be his disciple and to live for him and to grow in him. OK. And so. As a new believer, if you haven't been baptized, you want to find a place to go and be baptized, okay? There's a, there's a church on every corner, and, and most of them will have baptism, 
you know, as a, you know, uh, as they'll offer baptism. Now, again, it needs to be a, a good, sound, you know, Bible church. It needs to, it needs to be a church that, that, that offers baptism based on a, a biblical basis. Okay. Jesus was baptized. Jesus went into the water. He came out of the water and it ought to be our desire to follow the example of Jesus in this. There are different, different opinions on biblical baptism, but Ultimately, our desire ought to be to emulate our Savior. We went over that last time, right? Um, you know, um, uh, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, to imitate, you know, be imitators of God. And then uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So we want to follow the example of Christ. And so baptism, you know, ought to be an immersion, again, in the water, and again, it's a it's an outward symbolic act of what's already happened inwardly, spiritually, and we do that publicly, going publicly and professing that not only have we received Christ, but He is our Lord and Savior and Master and King, and we want to live for Him as a disciple. So, if you've become a Christian and you haven't been baptized, you know whether it be at your church, and if you don't have one, you know go to a brother or sister or Christ. Um, you know, you can go to, to kingdomd.org and, you know, we can facilitate that for you, but you want to be baptized, okay? You want to publicly identify yourself as not only a Christian, but, uh, you know, a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? All right. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So you see, you see the triune God right there in Matthew 28, 19. When we're baptized, when we go into the water, when I do a baptism, I say, I now baptize you now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And as I'm lowering the person into the water, I'm baptizing them. I proclaim, you know, I baptize you now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit as they're going down onto the water and then they come up out of the water, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 20 and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, it's funny, when you ask somebody about the Great Commission, they always remember, right? If you just go ask a Christian on the street, hey, what's the Great Commission? They'll say, oh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they'll stop there, okay? I'm telling you, if you ask 10 Christians, maybe one will be able to get the last part. Okay. It doesn't end there. Yes. First of all, go and make disciples. Now, as we said last time, right, Nathan, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus before you become a Christian. And as we said last time, all disciples of Jesus are Christians, but regrettably few Christians ever become genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. Most Christians are satisfied that they're saved. They're forgiven of their sin and they're going to heaven, and they never, they never really get to a place where they're disciplined followers of Christ, where they're consistently spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to love him, growing to know his love for them, and growing to increasingly obey him in every aspect of their lives. A disciple of Jesus Christ is a follower of Christ, an apprentice of Christ, Someone who is trying to conform their life 
increasingly more and more to be like Jesus in every manner and in every way, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally, they have a daily lifestyle of, of wanting to apply themselves to be like Jesus. And so now we can see the difference between a Christian and a disciple. So you want to ask yourself, wow, is that my lifestyle right now? Could I say that throughout my day, and I'm not saying for the 16 hours you're awake, we're all at a different place in this. There are, the, there are different levels of disciples of Jesus, different levels of maturity, different levels of growth, right? Um, but have you, have you even crossed over from being just a Christian to a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ? Would you say, when you do a, a candid and frank and just an honest examination, you know, of your daily lifestyle, would you say that your lifestyle is characterized as being a follower of Jesus Christ? That someone who is genuinely trying to be like Jesus more and more in every aspect of their life. Now, perhaps you're on the road to being a disciple. Perhaps you'd say, you know, you know, I, yeah, there are some ways I want to be like Jesus. And I, I think about Jesus and sometimes I pray and occasionally I read my Bible, but no, I really am not, uh, I'm really not someone who really is trying to, to, to really live every aspect of my life according to Jesus. I really don't seek to do my job or run my business in every way as Jesus would. I, I'm really not completely convicted to, to really make Jesus the pattern of everything I do, okay? And so, and that's why I said, uh, you know, few Christians ever become a disciple because as we're going to see here in a minute, being a disciple is hard. And you have the instruction here from Jesus, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So a disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who very much wants to obey every aspect of the word of God. Hear what Jesus said, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay. The entire Bible, the entire word of God is the word of Christ. Okay. Now, obviously we have the word of Christ when he walked this earth in the four gospels. Okay. But the entire Bible is the word of God. It's the living word of God. And a disciple of Jesus Christ has a lifestyle of wanting to increasingly obey every aspect of the scriptures. Okay. So again, you want to look at yourself and obviously none of us do this perfectly by any means, but as a disciple of Jesus Christ, these are the parameters. Now, obviously before we can make disciples, we have to be a disciple. Okay. Because the ultimate goal for you and I, the ultimate goal of discipleship is that you and I would be serious disciples of Jesus Christ that are in the process of making disciples. So again, you would ask yourself, and, and the majority of Christians would admit, no, I'm not really trying to help other people be disciples, meaning I'm not consistently on a daily basis involved in other people's lives, helping them to know Jesus, because that's the ultimate goal is that you not only be a disciple, but that now you're increasingly helping others be disciples of Jesus Christ. So let's turn to 2 Timothy 2, 
verse 2, and we'll see what we're talking about here. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2 says, we'll start in verse 1. Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2 and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Did you hear that? And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Okay. So again, the goal of discipleship is whether you're a man or a woman, that as you're growing to be a, a, a better disciple of Jesus Christ, a more obedient disciple of Jesus Christ, a more loving disciple of Jesus Christ, a more repentant disciple of Jesus Christ. And in, in the remainder of this series, we're going to talk about these individual aspects of discipleship, but that you begin even now to start to encourage others. A disciple of Jesus Christ, again, is a disciplined follower of Christ. Remember I said we get our, uh, our English word discipline from the Latin word disciple. So you can't even be a disciple if you don't have a disciplined life of following Christ. And remember, discipline is what we do when we really don't feel like it, right? Um, meaning we're, we're, we're following Jesus, we're laboring to obey Jesus, we're studying the scriptures that we can, we can obey him more and more and more and more. And, and we do that in a, in a disciplined fashion, okay? Um, and so again, you, you want to begin as a disciple to, to right away, even, even a little bit here, begin to encourage other people to first make sure they're Christians, and then from there to begin this process of being a disciple of Jesus, right? Uh, beginning to spend time with Jesus every day in prayer, in thanksgiving, in repentance, um, uh, spending time in praise and worship, spending time in the scriptures, which is the most important thing, spending time reading and studying the word of God that you might increasingly obey it and know it and believe it and help others believe it, spending more and more time with other disciples of Jesus Christ and receiving from them and, and encouraging them, okay? So again, you notice Paul said that, that, that your job is to find people that are reliable and, and teach them these principles of discipleship, okay? All right, so now we're going to get into some of the more uh, some of the more difficult scriptures on discipleship, and this is kind of heavy. So let's turn to Matthew sixteen, and we're going to do verses twenty four and uh, and twenty five, and and so now we're going to go to to really what Jesus speaks about is some of the you know some of the kind of the high qualities of what it really means to be a disciple. And we really want to we want to focus on these. We really absorb these words of Jesus here. Okay, um, so look at Matthew sixteen, starting in verse twenty four. Then Jesus said to his disciples, "If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it." But whoever loses his life for me will find it. 
try to try to just really really think about that verse, right? That's that's a heavy verse, okay? Um, so let's turn to uh, to Luke fourteen, and uh, we're gonna do verse thirty three for right now, okay? Luke fourteen, verse thirty three, okay? Luke fourteen thirty three. So you just heard what I read in Matthew sixteen twenty four twenty five, and I'm gonna read these again, but Luke 14, verse 33, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Wow. So so we're seeing that the standard of being a disciple, I mean, it's crazy. Now, again, obviously none of us have literally given up everything we have. But this needs to be the growing heart of a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'll read it again. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. So what I'm trying to what I'm trying to show here is that being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not a casual thing. Okay, it's not a common thing. It's the greatest privilege of our lives, right, Lauren? Being a disciple, May, of Jesus Christ is literally the greatest privilege of our lives, and we ought to put all we have into it, right? That's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to read Matthew 16, 24, and 25, and then I'm going to read Luke 14, 33. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What does that mean? Deny yourself. You, you, you want to begin to have a lifestyle of just, you know, where you see your own desires in this world, your own desires for, for your life, where you want to go with your life and where it's not consistent with where Jesus is calling you to go. You're beginning to more and more deny that, okay, to deny your will for his life and to, and to pick up his will, okay? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. What does that mean? What was Jesus's cross? Jesus went to the cross and it was obviously his cross was dying for the sin of the world, right? It was the cross. It's it's the biggest cross in, in the history of the world, in the history of existence ever, okay? But in the same way, all of us have our, quote, cross to bear in certain ways, right? And it's hard when we deny ourselves what we want, and then we come under and pick up the cross that Jesus has given us to bear. And so to be a disciple of Jesus, we have to, we have to carry the burdens he's given us to carry, again, all the while of trying to deny ourselves. Now, I want to say again, this is a lifestyle. No one wakes up a disciple of Jesus Christ. It happens methodically. We have to grow into discipleship, and it's a, a lifetime endeavor, okay? If anyone would come after him, I must deny himself, take up his cross, and then with that heart of carrying your cross, you're looking to follow Jesus, right? And to be like him and to please him in every aspect of your life. 25, for who wants, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. You see what Jesus said there? If you'll become a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you'll begin this process of being not just a Christian, but a disciple, 
when we want to hold on to our lives for ourselves, right? When we don't want to be disciples of Jesus Christ, right, Wendy? When we just want to live our lives how we want to live them, when we want to live them, and live them for ourselves, we'll, we'll really never know what the meaning of life is on this earth, right? Um, you know, when we hold on to our life and what we want in this life and what we want it to be and we won't, you know, we won't, quote, lose our life to begin the process of living it for Jesus and growing as disciples of Jesus, right? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Again, when you want to hold on to your life and what you desire for this life and how you want this life to go, even though it's there's many aspects of it that Jesus is not in, well, you'll, really, you'll lose it, right? You'll never really find the meaning of what it means to have real life, right? You remember in John uh, chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and have it abundantly, have it to the fullest, right? You know, many of us have life, but are you experiencing the abundant life, the, the exciting life of a disciple of Jesus Christ? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. So you see that? When you walk out Matthew 16, 24, when you walk out Luke 14, 33, okay, remember Luke 14, 33, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciples. So, so again, wow. But the more, and again, this is all a process, okay? It doesn't happen overnight. Jesus knows we don't go go. From the, it's called, you know, it's called transformation, okay? Um, you know, and it's it's Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so since we mentioned it, we might as well go there right now. So again, it, none of this is happening. I know it can seem overwhelming. It doesn't happen overnight. So turn to the book of Romans, and we'll go to chapters uh, chapter 12, and we're going to do uh, verses 1 and 2, okay? Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So again, it's a, it's a, it's a transformation process, right? When a caterpillar goes from being a, a caterpillar that's kind of a, an unappealing creature, a wormy creature that walks along the ground. And then there's this metamorphosis, right? Wow. And it goes from being one of the most really ugly looking creatures to one of the most beautiful, elegant creatures ever created. Make no mistake. The process of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly was given to us as believers in Jesus Christ to understand the metamorphosis that we go through from going, you know, from, from being new Christians and we have a new heart, but still we have a whole old lifestyle that still looks like a caterpillar and going through the process, right, of transformation, we more and more become that elegant, beautiful butterfly as we consistently grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, okay? Now, again, when Jesus is saying to give this up, it's not meant to be this, this arduous, terrible, hurtful process. It's a process that will bring you life and excitement, and it happens little by little, 
more and more every day, right, Jason? Meaning it's not just something we wake up to, and it certainly is a, a two-step forward, one-step back principle, right? You know, we're just, we're, we're ever moving forward, growing as disciples of Jesus Christ, okay? So again, it's a process, all right? Um, so again, Luke 9, okay, verse 23. This is Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So you see in Luke 9, 23, he adds the words daily. Again, Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So again, to come after Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus is a day in and day out, you know, lifestyle, again, of being an apprentice of Jesus, of getting up and looking to please him, looking to be like him. And again, for most of us, and again, I even when I'm listening to myself say this, right, Nathan, I'm I'm thinking, like, you know, don't be discouraged, okay? It's a process. Again, I've been doing it 25 years, and I often look at myself, it's, I don't know, it's embarrassing that I'm not farther along than I am, okay? With the, with the being 25 years walking with Jesus and having this understanding, I ought to be more like Jesus than I am, but I'm excited that I'm in the process, okay? So don't be discouraged, okay? All right, so let's turn to Matthew 10. Verses 37 and 38. Matthew 10, verses 37 and 38. Pow, pow, pow. I mean, this is exciting. Matthew 10, 37 and 38. I'll say that again. Pow, pow, pow. Okay. Matthew 10, 37. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy the is not worthy of me. Uh-oh, he's hitting home now. Let me do that. Let me say that again for those of us who didn't hear it right. This is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. My, 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 my. Okay, so again, not, see, again, we're talking about what a disciple of Jesus Christ is. And again, if all of us were to sit back right now and just candidly and frankly and honestly just evaluate our lives, does your, wife ref, does, does your life reflect that you truly do love Jesus more than your wife or your husband or your children or your parents? Is Jesus the biggest priority of your life? Because that's going to be the essential part of, of being a mature and growing disciple of Jesus. Now, listen, this doesn't mean that you love little, you love Jesus a little bit and you don't really love your wife or husband or children at all. Okay. The point is we ought to be loving our wives and children with all of our hearts, right? And living our lives and loving them the way Christ would. But yet our devotion to Christ ought to be greater. And, and it ought to be noticeable. We ought to have more interest in Jesus. Do you see the bar of discipleship now? Do you see why I say very few Christians will ever become a disciple? And again, if you're in this process, you are a disciple, okay? We spend our lives and you notice that you'll start growing to have Jesus, right, Kristen, be a greater interest to you. 
and you'll start seeing the things of this world ever so slightly, like Dave Anderson says, it's, it's really imperceptible, right, Father Rick? But our growth, just like the caterpillar, when he's becoming a butterfly, he's not really conscious of it, right? But as we walk this out day by day, moment by moment, week by week, month by month, year by year, bam, pretty soon we're in this process and we become a, a more mature, a more growing, just a more uh, loving disciple of Jesus that begins to look like Jesus more in every way, all right? But again, look at this bar because we're going to go a step deeper after this. All right, I'm going to read that again for you, and then we're going to go to Luke 14. But it says, Matthew 10, 37, 38, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Verse 38, And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is, is not worthy of me. Okay. Um, wow. So, all right, so now turn to Luke 14, and uh, we're going to start in verse 25, and it's going to get real. Okay. This is, uh, this is going to be the highest watermark of a disciple right here, okay? And again, we spend our life working on this. What does he mean by this? Okay, I, I, like, I like this in verse 25, okay? Luke 14, 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, now, now look at that. Verse 25, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, so Jesus is walking along, boom, 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 boom. All of a sudden he turns around and now there's, there's thousands of people here, okay? People say when he fed the, when he fed the 5,000 men, uh, there could have been 20,000 people there counting women and children. So now there's, Jesus turns around and there's just a mass of people here. There's a sea of people following him. And Jesus is going to let them know that they really don't understand what it means to follow him. Look at verse 26. He's going to, quote, thin the crowd a little bit. Because, again, Jesus is looking for disciples. Okay? You have to be a believer. You have to be a Christian. You have to be a convert first. But remember, Jesus didn't say go and make churches. Although having church is a good thing. He didn't say go and make Christians. And you got to be a Christian you got to have received Jesus Christ. Jesus has to be living in you before you can be his disciple, right? But since there was some misunderstanding of what it means to follow Jesus, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, that, that just seems a little bit abrupt, okay? We've been walking along a few miles here with Jesus. I don't know, say two, three miles. We're talking. It's exciting. That's Jesus. We've seen miracles. We've seen him We've seen him feed the poor. We've seen him do it all, right? Right, Benny? Peyton, we've seen him do it all. And all of a sudden, you know, Jesus turns around and we're just walking around. He's about to say something. We're like, boom, I can't wait to hear this. I got my notepad out. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning them, he said, just, you know, seems a little abrupt to me. Turns around, looks at the sea of people and says, I just want you to know how much I love you. I just want you to know how, how amazing you all are. 
I just want you to know that, um, that, you know, that I love you with all my heart, which he certainly does. But no, that's not what he says. What does he say? Turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. What does he mean by this? Obviously, I was talking to my brother, Jason Ross, about this on, uh, on what day was it? Was it, was it, uh, it was Wednesday. Wasn't, no, it was Thursday, Jason. Right. It was Thursday. And, uh, you know, and, and he nailed it. What is Jesus saying? So what he's saying here, um, he's not using the word hate in the way that we think it, but what he's saying is that your devotion to Jesus ought to be so much higher, so noticeably higher than your devotion to even your most close in intimate human relations. It's not an accident, right? And notice again, he's just traveling along, everything's going good, and he just turned and bam, Molly, just hits him with it, right? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So he he specifically names the, the closest, most intimate human relationships we have, the biggest priorities in all, all of our life, right? And he names each one of them specifically and says that the difference between your love and devotion to your wife, your husband, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your son or daughter, how much devotion and love you have for them, the gap between your love and devotion for them and Jesus ought to be so wide that it looks like the difference between love and hate. And if that's not the road you're on, then you're not on the road of discipleship. <laughs> now, those are his words. I'm not even saying I like them. Bam. Wow. So, you know, we're going to end it here. And so we can see now, again, what a disciple looks like. And we've now, over this two-part teaching, we've talked about the difference between, you know, what is a Christian, making sure you're a Christian, right? Examining yourself to make sure that you're saved, that Jesus is living in you, that you have spiritual life, because the entire purpose of your life is to go from being that Christian to being a growing disciple of Jesus Christ that's bearing fruit for Jesus, Growing to know him, growing to love him, growing to experience your his love for you, right? Um, and again, growing to be like him in, in every aspect of your life. And, and moving forward now, okay, in the next, I don't know how many teachings it'll be in this series, but we're going to speak about in specific teachings, you know, how to, how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about what the devotional life looks like. We're going to talk about just what are the specific things a disciple of Jesus Christ does. But so again, what you've seen here now is that being a disciple of Jesus Christ is, is, a, is an all-encompassing, lifelong endeavor that you've been called to and commanded by Jesus to be his disciple. Okay, you become a Christian, you're certain of that. Remember, without Jesus, there's not one person in the world that'll see heaven and only hell awaits. So give your life to Jesus. 
become a Christian. And then from there, you're going to want to get on this process of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And a part of that, a big part of that is going to be making disciples of Jesus Christ, making disciplined followers of Jesus who are daily increasingly spending more and more time with Jesus. And we'll talk about what that looks like. Spending more time growing to know him, growing in our relationship with him, spending more and more time growing to love him, right? Spending more time and time growing to know his love for you. It's important to know the love that, that Jesus has for us. And really above all, spending more and more time growing to obey him and repent where we fall short in every aspect of our lives, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally. Mm. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Father, we ask you to, to help us today. Father, I do pray that, that any who are listening that, that have not received Jesus as Savior, that are not genuine Christians, Holy Spirit, I ask you to draw them unto you, draw them to our Heavenly Father, that they might receive and know Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior. And from there, Father, I ask you to help us, to have mercy on us. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Point us to Jesus. Give us eyes to see Jesus, ears to hear him, that we would be more like him. Drive us, Holy Spirit. Convict us to be followers, to be apprentices, to be true and genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Jesus, we just love you and worship you and thank you and praise you, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Jesus, our God, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect righteous life for us that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death for us that we should have died. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today and we worship you and thank you and praise you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen.